what is the name of this podcast? I would have to, I would have to write it down. <laughs> <laughs> All, right. All right. Well, welcome to Wild and Free, a Battleborn podcast. This is oh, Jacob you. with my co-wrangler, Berta. B, how's it going? I am good. And you know, just living life to the fullest in the inside of my apartment. With with your best friend with and love cat. of your life. Yeah, Dwayne. Yes, yo, I'm gonna spare you the song that I came up with during quarantine, but it's it's a lovely song to my cat. <laughs> I sing it to him almost every day. Oh, he's here. I feel the softness around my feet. <laughs> Hi, kitty. <laughs> today, who do we have here today? Sorry, I lost track of, of time because of the cats. Uh, today, we are super honored to have Brittany Sterling. Who is she, you may ask? Well, and I do. She, she is a magical woman. She has a lot of like knowledge and wisdom that she shares with other people of all kinds of random things. And then you ask, well, what do you do for a living? Let me tell you what she does. She is a social sciences and interdisciplinary studies librarian at UNLV. And she's about to tell us what that means because I, I don't know exactly what that means. So Brittany, <laughs> thank you for being here with us today. Welcome. Thanks. So in a magical nutshell, that means that I support the disciplines of sociology, anthropology, political science, and the ethnic and gender studies departments at UNLV. So that, that can mean everything from teaching students where to find some statistics to um, helping a, a instructor prep for their like TV debut, which actually one of my faculty was on Taste the Nation. It's a new TV show about food and American culture. So that was really exciting. Oh, which, may, uh, which food program is that one? That. Yeah. So it's on Hulu. Um, Padma Lakshmi hosts okay. it. I thought that uh, was the, the one. Yeah. Okay. It just came out, I think, at the beginning of July. So, but if you go to the Vegas episode, it's all about Thai culture in Vegas. And Mark Padunpa is one of my faculty in interdisciplinary studies. So oh, I thought that was great. I'm. We are so excited about this. I didn't realize <laughs> that it was that the Vegas one was all about Thai culture. That's so awesome. Yeah, it's pretty neat. <sighs> um, I learned a lot, and now I'm like, Mark, please take me to all the Thai restaurants. That'd be great. Yes. So are you an answerer of questions? I would say yes, because I'm answering one right now. Um, but also, <laughs> I do do a lot of question answering. So I mainly do a lot of teaching people research skills. Um, but also, I like to, it's like information connection is the main part of my job. So I do answer a lot of questions for sure. Oh, Has okay. this always been a thing with librarians? What, answering yeah. questions? No, I mean, like, <laughs> I feel like this is like a very, like, digging deep into, like, life and humanities and, like, all of the things. Because, you know, like, when I was little, I was like, oh, the librarian, she, like, she gonna put this book back. <laughs> yeah, I definitely, so I thought so, too, well, Sorry, y'all. You cannot see this, but I just flicked veneering off my ear, and it was very painful. Oh, no. <laughs> anyway, to get back to the topic at hand, so I used to live in the library and, like, devour books, and I never really knew what librarians did either. I had the same thought, B. 
Um, I think this is an academic librarian kind of specific thing. Mm. Not that our public librarians are not fantastic and what they do is fantastic, but uh, the difference between what I do and what you get with the public librarian, honestly, in some ways is just the setting because public librarians do a lot of programming. That's basically mm -hmm. as well. Um, but we just do it in an academic frame. So helping people find information in databases, helping them figure out how to set up research projects, um, helping them find or connecting them with archivists, I guess I should say, for things that are more like socio-historical instead of just like research for right now. So that's a little bit of the difference. Um, and because of that, I get to do all of the fun stuff that professors get to do. So like publishing articles and um, leading lots of retreats and doing collaborations with people from other universities. So maybe it's an academic librarian thing. I don't know, but I do think all librarians just find themselves answering questions at work and not at work, to be honest. Sounds, <laughs> sounds exciting. Stand up for right, too, yeah. and here you are, like, answering all the right. questions. <laughs> so, um, uh, Brittany, I know for the, you're also new to Las Vegas, right? So how long have you been here in Las Vegas? So, strangely, I've been here eight whole months, but it doesn't feel like it. I started my job November 1st of last year, so 2019. Welcome I to your first Vegas summer. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Um, I literally, with a special one. I left, uh, I moved from Atlanta, Georgia, in case people are interested. Um, I left like 10 days before I needed to start my new job, which I would not recommend to most people because we drove across the country. <laughs> which is all the way across the country for the most part. Yes, literally. <laughs> <laughs> so we definitely, that was interesting on its own, but the first three months I was telling you the other day, we were basically nomads because um, one of the things I discovered in trying to prep to move here is that you can't really find a place to live till you get here or you, it's very difficult if you don't have a connection. Right. So <laughs> we tried to find a lot of places, but you know, I was at work most of the day. There's a lot of, I think things that are different here than in other parts of the country I've lived in. Like you, if you're not gonna live in an apartment, you and even sometimes if you are gonna live in an apartment or a condo or a townhouse, you need a real estate agent, which is like so different than anything happening in the South. Um, I right. feel like most of the time there you connect directly with whoever owns the house. So that was very interesting. And then, we had to Airbnb for about three months. So I was here, but I wasn't really doing things because also my first Airbnb was in North Las Vegas. So, you know, I spent a lot of time in the car. It was interesting. Yeah, that's a long, so it's a long drive from uh, North Las Vegas to UNLV. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and yeah. <laughs> and then, so I was here two months in 2019 and then chugging along until March. And then, you know, I've been here, but we've all been inside. So yeah, mm. I guess that counts as a whole month. Yeah. Wow. So in the time that you were like that, you, we had some kind of like normalcy mm -hmm. uh, since you've been here, what's been something like, surprising that you've learned about Vegas? Um, I think 
probably this is like a duh to people from Nevada or from the Vegas area. I went to the Mob Museum, and I really don't think I understood how um, how intricate the network was for the mob. Like, and not necessarily here in Vegas. I think a lot of people know that part. Right. But like in other near other places that I've lived, like I went to undergrad in Springfield, Ohio, which is like south southeast ohio and i think on the the interactive map that's in the mom museum you should definitely go when we can again people um there's like a spot for youngstown and then i've lived in north carolina and i've been through parts of kentucky and i had never really realized exactly how extensive the network was so i just thought that was really interesting of course i think it's a library thing to also want to know more stuff all the time so <laughs> Yeah, I really, sense. really enjoyed that. Um, I went on Valentine's Day, though, which I think is like oh. a day you could go for Nevada residents. So it was jam-packed with people, definitely not COVID-friendly <laughs> now. No. So that I, was like exactly a month before yeah. we went into like isolation. And there was 4,000 people at the Mob Museum on that day. That explains a lot. <laughs> you're, you're like, I touch elbows with 2,000 of them. <laughs> it did feel like that. Now, my intention had been to go back maybe the next month or something like that. Right. Because it was hard to move around in there for obvious reasons. Um, but yeah, it was just really interesting. Also, one of my colleagues who does a lot of oral history things is on one of the videos of the Mob Museum, Play T. White. And it seems like she is you know, go-to gal for Vegas things. So it was really just a neat intersection of all the parts of life that I had established here thus far um, to go there. So yeah, that one stands out, I think. That's awesome. I mean, it's a good, that's a good indication though of just how small of a town Las Vegas is that you had only lived here for four months and already knew someone who was in one of the videos. Like, like that is such an indication for how small of a town we live in. So. Yeah, I think so too. So one thing that I find interesting about Vegas, so um, also things that people might like to know about me, I grew up as an army brat, so I've lived a lot of places, small towns, big cities, overseas, a lot of places. Um, moving from Atlanta, especially the Atlanta Metro, what people consider that at this point, it's like two hours in all directions. It's not like Atlanta proper is very small, actually, in comparison. Mm. So moving here and hearing people talk about like, I mean, traffic sucks for all, but like the traffic in the valley or how it takes 45 minutes to get from <laughs> Summerlin to Henderson. I'm just like, y'all, I used to do this every morning to get from my house to my job <laughs> on a good morning. On a bad morning, it would take like an hour and a half. So it is very interesting to me that this is in some ways a big city, but a, a small, small, not a small town, but like it's like a city town and not really this yeah. huge metro that I think other people think of when they think of cities. Yeah, that's very true. Very true. So, you know, really the reason that we had talked about having you on was, was well, one of the reasons was to talk kind of about, you know, how you build a community, particularly somewhere where you're, you're new. So, um, you know, and, and the three of us, all three of us are not native Nevadans. We all moved here from somewhere else. Um, and so it's, you know, it's varying degrees of, of length that we've all been here. But 
Um, so, you know, as someone who's moved around a lot, you know, what would you suggest for somebody who may have just moved to Las Vegas or um, who may be considering moving to Las Vegas, uh, particularly during kind of like a, a very interesting time? Now, while you did get to interact with a little bit of the town before the shutdown happened, um, still the bulk of the time that you've been here has been has been the shutdown. Yeah, most of it. Yeah. No? Yeah, basically, yeah. maybe about half, something like that. Wow. Um, I guess I would say, so one of the things I did was take to YouTube, like anyone researching a new place. <laughs> and I was really surprised, I think, now being here, how the places that YouTubers are recommending that people live or look to live or whatever are all exactly the same, as if the rest of the valley doesn't exist. <laughs> and... <laughs> I'm not surprised by this, but I also just think it's interesting. So I would say maybe take out a map if you still have a paper one um, and, or look one up online and just kind of actually do some research about what different parts of the valley have to offer. I think that helps a lot, especially because it is like a city town. You can really be anywhere in at max 45 minutes to an hour, even with traffic. Right. So um, I would say investigate what is important to you and use that as more of a compass for where you want to live as opposed to what other people are saying. Because most of the people online doing Vegas, this is where you should live reviews are also transplants. So they don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. They're cute, but right. Yeah. That's a that's a that's a really good point. I know. And granted, I have been here the longest out of the three of us. 14 years this month, actually. Just Congratulations! Absolutely insane to think about, but um, um, yeah, um, but I know that was like that was a big thing too. Like you know, moving here, you're like, well, what the what the heck? Where you know where? And I had I worked at UNLV when I first started, so I had all my coworkers were like, live, find a place in Green Valley, that's where you want to live. Like mm -hmm. everyone said that. I have never lived in Green Valley. I lived close Thank for God. three years. It's like it's not right. I lived close for three years, but then I found like the place that does have everything that I want, and I like I'm in Spring Valley, and I don't know if I'll ever leave Spring Valley. I love Spring Valley. I love Spring Valley. Jacob loves Spring Valley, man. <laughs> I do. I don't know if there's anybody that loves Spring Valley as much as I do. Yeah, you're like so proud of it too. <laughs> you like run for something. I yeah, know. Sure. I, I wish love... there was like mayor of Spring Valley. I would be the mayor of Spring Valley. Yes, you would. <laughs> yeah. It's it's really interesting, especially like trying to like find and build community while we have so much like uncertainty. Right. Mm -hmm. Um and and I'm curious to to hear how you've continued to build community, you know, like find your place because I know when I moved here, it was all about like going out and mm -hmm. I know I don't mean like going out to like the club or anything but I would go to like first Friday and like that's how I met a lot of my friends in the art community I would go to events in the library I met I, I like joined a hiking um group on Facebook so I, I met friends like that so but it was all about like let me do this so that I can meet people in person and that doesn't work right now mm -hmm. so like what have you been doing um, community. So I would say that I am very, very fortunate to have colleagues that have all been very friendly because when 
I will be honest, one of the things I was concerned about moving out west is there is this stereotype of Southern hospitality. And even though I have moved around a lot, I like to say I'm a bit of a global nomad with Southernisms because my parents were both born and raised in New Orleans. So like a lot of my at-home acculturation is from that. So even when I moved to Atlanta, being such a big metro, it just doesn't have the same feeling once the city gets to a certain size. Like then you're just a city place in the South, you know? So I was like, dang, I don't know if people, will people be nice? Will people be rude? Do people walk past each other? I have no idea, I have no idea. So I've had really, I'm very fortunate to have colleagues who really tried to include me before we went on lockdown. So I, for instance, I went to Fremont Street a few times with people. I got to go out to a few bars. I um, got invited over to some houses for Documentary Club, which is where I met B. So like, well, it's been very nice to have that. And I would say probably if I moved here a few months later, I don't know if I would have had those opportunities, to be honest. Um, I feel like if someone were thinking of moving here now, maybe if like things like meetup don't scare you, um, then maybe there, because I actually did join a few meetup groups before I came here and I haven't met with any of them in person, but because the point of meetup is to regularly meet, yeah. they've been having online events as well. Hmm. So, I mean, there are alternatives. Um, I definitely think it helps to try seeking people out because I feel like sometimes what can happen down south is you just run into people and general people are more talkative and they just are sometimes nosy. Maybe nosiness makes friendships down south. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, where as opposed to here, I know at least the students, like I see people walk past each other like they're not there all the time on campus, which is very weird to me. And so you've got to be a bit intentional about reaching out, but you know, Zoom, um, WebEx, all of it, it's the, the wave of the future, if you will. Um, so if you're not um, comfortable with necessarily venturing into online friendship, I feel like maybe think of it as not as creepy and it's just the way things are even for established friend groups right now. It's interesting because like I have a couple of like different friends groups mm -hmm. and I've almost like seen people more often. Like there was a point where I was like, I need to slow it down because I don't want to like, we didn't hang out this often when we were, you know, before Corona. Like, why are we doing, like, chiding up every night? No, yo, I have things to do. But so, Jacob, like, how have you maintained your community during the times of the Rona? Um, I mean, I think it's been, for me, I mean, I am a very much a natural introvert. So, like, I, the first... Oh. The first couple of weeks, I I mean, were very stressful, but I also enjoyed the like t downtime of like not having to be places or do things. Um, and so for me, I mean, I know for my nonprofit friends, like the folks who work fellows who work in nonprofits, like we've we've maintained regular kind of like happy hours with more frequency than we were able to do before the shutdown, which was nice. And one of one of our group also lives in Reno. And so we would never be able to see him. So it was great to have, you know, if we did a Zoom call, then we could actually like have a beer with him too, which was nice. Um, and uh, so that was that was good. But, you know, I think um, I definitely reached out to people more um, and, uh, you know, like made maybe some connections that I wasn't super close with or people that I would connect with at work, like actually reach out to them 
um, you know, a little bit more frequently than I normally would because obviously I'd see them or maybe run into them. Um, But I had to be really intentional about it because I also know my introvert tendencies are to just like become a hermit and just kind of like, and I don't get me wrong. I probably had two or three weeks in there where I was like very, very much a hermit. Um, But, uh, you know, I found, I've actually found some, I wouldn't say new communities, but definitely like I've I've embraced some online communities a little bit more, um, whether they're Facebook groups. Um, I became active in a couple of Facebook groups. Um, I've, I joined some local ones, although I haven't gotten really active in them. But I started like following more local people on Twitter, which also helped because then I was like, oh, OK, I feel like, you know, we're all kind of more of a community since that's where a lot of the action is taking place. Um is online. And then, uh, I mean, I will say that the podcast has helped a lot, actually, because I've been able to maintain some of those connections or meet new people uh, via the podcast that that I wouldn't have met normally or wouldn't have had an opportunity to, like, maybe talk to, um, which has been really helpful. Yeah. I have noticed that I have been following more local people now yeah, um, because of my job, but also, like, once um the protest started mm-hmm. after the murder of George Floyd like there was a need to just not just be connected to people which you could you know it, it, I feel like at the beginning of the uh quarantine it was more of a of like I, I had like a global community because I was like getting into workshops with people like in New York or whatever mm-hmm. but but when that happened I was like no I like I need to find a, a local community like i need like i i i guess that shown the disconnection at that point it's like no where, where's my people that i'm gonna go protest with and right you know where do i find like who's organizing what and how how do i know like who to trust you know and and in building that that like local thing so right now i'm like just really eager to get back to some kind of normalcy and you, we may not have that back <laughs> ever right. again, but you know, just like, just to be able to like see people again. Right. Um, it's going to be, I need it. Last night I went to see the comment and we, a few friends went with me and we were, you know, sitting on lawn chairs from like, we were more <laughs> than way, more than six feet apart, but, um, even just like that moment of just like hearing somebody's voice in person was was good. Right. It was refreshing. And and I think uh, B, you, br- you do bring up a good point because I know we've had this conversation um, when the protests were starting. Uh, you know, I know both of us had been reading about the protests in other cities. And, you know, Las Vegas is a strange city where there are community activists who have been around for a really long time. But then because we're so transient, it was hard to identify you know, what protests were actually like, I mean, for lack, were organized in good faith and some that were organized not in good faith. And so um, I know we spent a lot of time trying to go through and, and I think our, our philosophy was if, you know, if you, me and a couple of other of our friends didn't have any mutual friends in common, it may not necessarily be a good protest only because we couldn't necessarily say yes, we couldn't trust that that was organized by people with good faith. And found out a couple of the protests here in Las Vegas were organized to um, in bad faith efforts to support the police. You're right. Yeah. Just to for some pictures for right. the media. Some nice photo ops. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> so has your so Brittany has your um local community I feel like your local community has expanded a little bit um during the time of corona but I also know that you are dropping some like really great knowledge on Instagram that you call so it's what the Wednesday um, so what the fudge what the yeah. what the what the fudge Yes. So I started just writing essays. Honestly, it was just to deal with my grief because mm. I'll be honest, like even before the murder of George Floyd, um, you know, in that same month, Breonna Taylor was killed. Ahmaud Arbery was killed. And I, and the countless number of people before that, of course, which is always in the back of my head as a black woman, mm -hmm. but I also feel this need where, um, both as a person who provides knowledge on a regular basis anyway, but I feel like I have a lot of friends, a lot of friends of different kinds who, you know, they've always, ex I feel like they've always accepted me regardless of the boxes I check, which I appreciate. But I think sometimes that means they don't see the fact that I am a black woman because I'm, because of maybe our shared experiences like college or because I have a professional job or, like that part of my identity completely slips their mind. So for instance, as these murders were taking place, I mean, there was a day where I just couldn't get out of bed. Like, and I really just couldn't because my grief was so heavy. Like I couldn't deal. And I was trying to figure out like, how do I deal with this? For instance, my husband, he is former military. He used to have to go out running every morning on his own. That's a part of the job. So like, do I now go out running with him every day even though I hate running like uh, it doesn't make sense but also if something happens to him I want to be at least one witness you know what I mean mm -hmm. which is just a whole different can of worms we could go into but um anyway I started writing them kind of to deal with those feelings to get it out and also maybe be like in an educational place that's like not people arguing back and forth on social media I right. feel like um, the real purpose of it is, I say, uncovering America's hidden histories. Because if you just regurgitate textbook history, then that's the only America you know, and there's so much more to it than that. Right. Most definitely. What kind yeah. of knowledge have you dropped so far in your, in your WTF Wednesdays? Well, thank you for asking. So <laughs> I would say... I started it just on a whim um, for my, honestly, my personal audience. I just thought they might appreciate it. Um, so the very first one was just about the definition of white supremacy. I feel like people think that that means KKK hoods and neo-Nazis and it does, but it also is just kind of like this erasure of everything else that has not been um, European American focus until Really, now, not for lack of efforts of other people, it's just what makes it into the textbooks, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, and I think we can all agree that it has a bit of a messy um, origin story and continued growth story. And even now, I just kind of thought it made sense to talk about all the things that people think they know, but don't really know because the meanings have been lost over time or they weren't important or definitions have changed. And it's all information that's out there, but how do you synthesize it? So since that's what I do for a living, <laughs> that's what I'm putting out there. Um, so far we're up through, we kind of skipped the greater idea of slavery because I think 
almost everyone knows what that means or could look up the definition. And so I spend a lot of time on reconstruction because I feel like that's the part of civil rights that gets glossed over. People know slavery and then they get eyes on the prize in like middle school and that's it. <laughs> um, and reconstruction era laws are really, they're connected very much to some of the things going on now. And it's just like a very large part of history, even past the official end of reconstruction up through civil rights that really explains a lot of what's going on. That's really interesting. And in, until you just mentioned that, I mean, thinking about my, like, and I, um, like, both in school and then in college, I didn't, I mean, I took a lot of history classes. I was a political science major. And yeah, Reconstruction, even in my, like, American history classes, we didn't cover Reconstruction a lot. That's really interesting to think about. And it probably is because it was such, a, I mean, it set up so much of what is you know, what is happening now or what was happening, you know, um, during the civil rights movement in the fifties and sixties as well. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I think is interesting. So for now, um, this kind of also sprang as a ongoing project. So every black history month on my social media channels, I have just taken up arms to like, un to highlight people that aren't the same people we always hear about, like Rosa Parks or, um, Madam CJ Walker and, or Benjamin Banneker, you know, any of the people who are well known. Um, and I was doing that anyway. Um, but now I'm trying to, right now we're stuck in the like black history period, but my intention is to keep going through other groups' histories as well. I have not in the past because I didn't want to erase those voices, but I feel like on the whole, people also don't really know about those histories. And so that's my eventual goal is to like, pick some, I don't want to say flat points, but pick some points in everyone's history and kind of share them. And I'm going to give it a year and we'll see if it picks up momentum, then maybe it'll keep on. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I was going to ask if you had any like larger, I guess, ideas for that, if that would turn into an article or even, you know, some other form of media. Um, so I would love to, it would be, so my dream job is to be a travel TV show host. It always has been. <laughs> um, Excellent. So I, I truthfully, I have clearly it's a little restricted to be so now, but I honestly would not be opposed to, even if it's just YouTube or something, mm -hmm. making some so, sort of show that showcases things that happened in these different parts of the state. So for instance, even during reconstruction, I think that people have this idea that it was just the southern states that are just terrible and that idea kind of lingers on now and it's kind of like uh <laughs> no all the states are terrible <laughs> it's like even after the emancipation proclamation and like juneteenth happened which you know was a very a buzz very buzzwordy this year for right. people um even the ending of slavery, it was just kind of in the states of rebellion, air quotes. So states that were with the union, they could continue the practice, you know? So it's all of that messiness that I just feel like it would be interesting for people to know. And even as westward expansion was happening, new territories were taking on these laws, y'all. <laughs> so like, um, there's even something of uh, a law that I uncovered from, I want to say the last um, post that I made on uh wtf wednesdays that the state of oregon if you were black and you stayed there more than 10 days then you got 39 licks that just got repealed in 1926 that's 
that's someone's lifetime, y'all. That's not even a hundred years ago, right. you know? So I just think it'd be interesting to highlight it in a way that is like, the recognition that hey this happened and this is part of the reason why we now have this issue over here mm-hmm. but not in necessarily like i think people don't like talking about these issues because it feels blamey and it's like recognition and blame are not the same thing they don't have to be the same thing but it is our collective history so let's acknowledge it and then we can get better right i know one of the things that and i think that's we definitely need that. I know I encountered um, one of my coworkers and I were just, we're talking, I don't know what we were specifically with the conversation was, but one of the things he brought up, I um, mean, he's, you know, well-educated guy that uh, he had never heard about the Japanese internment camps in the United States until just the last couple months. Mm-hmm. And that was one of those things. And of course, I mean, the United States doesn't want to admit that we also had camps during World War II where people, yeah. we forced people based upon their identity into and it was one of those things that you know just there's so much out there that we are not you know most americans are not aware of and and that's a it's an it's i mean it's going to be an effort you know a huge effort alone just to make people more aware of some of those things um because they're not getting it in school they're not we don't get it on the you know media definitely doesn't cover it because again the united states it doesn't want to tarnish the reputation like like our lily white reputation. Well, we did some really terrible fucking things. Yes, all the damn time. <laughs> Still like, do. I feel like I feel like the you know the the type of like history classes that you have in like school and college, maybe mostly like in high school. You know, basic education is like look at all of these great things that this nation has accomplished. Mm-hmm. So they're like we ended slavery. It's like, bitch, how long did you have people enslaved? Like, right. what the, like, can we talk about that a little bit? Like, can we, can we pay attention to that? And well, it's I, like, they, they just highlight the white men's victories, right? And it's well, like, these are not. I think to add to that, just briefly, B2 is, um, I think one of the, a lot of, I recognize that um, because we have this, we're very much taught the altruistic view of things in America. Like people just aren't aware of things or they don't affect you till they affect you, right? So like for instance, without going into a long offshoot, there's a company, some of the textbooks that kids even get now, um, there are certain parts of the country where people go over what content is going into those and people just in that singular state decide that. So for instance, Texas is one of those places and Texas is complicated as well. But for instance, now there are history books going out calling slavery the trade as if it was like, you know, the spice route or something. Not that the, the spice route had its own lineage of like genocide and craziness, but it's framed in a way that it was like a reciprocal relationship, which is not what was happening at all. So I think that's why I also feel this responsibility because not only have we not dealt with it in the past and where we have generations of people who don't really know things that have happened, but there's an intentional erasure that is like way more dangerous of changing the story than just leaving it out, I feel like. How do you mm-hmm. keep yourself from flipping tables? Because just having this conversation, I want to flip a table right now. Like, how are you finding joy and hope and staying? Because you're like a ray of sunshine and you're like telling all these things with right. this like huge smile on your face like how do you how do you keep the joy and the hope like um, doing all of this 
I think it helps that because I started this as kind of a passion project, I really have seen the, the reach grow over the last few weeks, which is not what I was expecting. I just, you know, I do the thing every February. I know people comment on it. A few people, I wasn't really thinking about it changing anything about, but I have like, it's, go it's going places, which means that it's impactful and at least people want to know more. So that helps some. I also, on a different note, I am a bit of a, I wouldn't call myself a gamer, but I do like the occasional video game session. And nice. ironically, the the first things that I ever knew about Vegas come from a game called, called Fallout New Vegas, if anyone has ever heard of it. So I've been playing through that lately, and it has taken on a different meaning since I live here now. Um, that helps a little. And I definitely have friends all over who, much like you both said, I feel like I've connected more with them now because not because we don't try, but everyone is always so busy, air quotes, you know, that we don't make the time to do it. And um, just checking in with them in their lives has helped a lot because that's, that's real connection that I know that I have, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. I just, I don't play video games, but I have a, a friend who uh, gave me his PlayStation before he moved to go to graduate school. And one of the games he left me is Fallout New Vegas. It's the only game that I have the only first person shooter game that I have played in years. <laughs> and I spent way too many nights at like three, four o'clock in the morning during like the shutdown, just <laughs> playing Fallout New Vegas. And I was like, well, I can't go, I can't go outside and walk around these places for real. So I might as I well do it on the video game. Interesting. <laughs> I can't do video games, y'all. Like I used to play Mario when I was, when I would go to my cousin's house and they would like, give me like probably high blood pressure because i was like why is my mario dying so fast like <laughs> you know you start like running and then you like go in the abyss i'm like oh i just my mario just died and <laughs> the games now are so much more intense than that <sighs> excuse me oh. thank you <laughs> thank you uh so i'm kind of wrapping up and i know you mentioned a couple um you know, uh, places in Las Vegas that you visited so far, but I'm interested to know if there's any um, specifically Las Vegas things that you would recommend uh, for folks to check out or just in general, you know, as or if we you have something on the wish list, right? Since, you know, yeah, definitely wish list. And then also, um, you know, any general things as as a librarian, um, and someone who is all about information, if there's things that you would recommend um, you know, us or our listeners check out Las Vegas specific, social justice specific, kind of anything that you're you're really into right now. Okay. So I'm a big foodie, so that's one of my sad points right now because I can't go sit in restaurants that I was hoping to get to on the strip. But what I would actually recommend to people either visiting or moving to Vegas is eat at the restaurants that are right outside the strip. Like mm -hmm. they're strip adjacent, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah, they are um, probably pricey if you're coming from the east or the southeast for sure it's going to give you a little sticker shock either way but <laughs> a lot of times they're not getting the same hype as restaurants on the strip and they're just as good if not better I think mm -hmm. so a lot of those restaurants are still open right now you can still do takeout from them or mm -hmm. uh, curbside pickup or whatever so I would definitely say that um I would also say that Vegas and the surrounding, um, I guess the North Las Vegas Library District and Henderson also has its own library 
they all have really good resources, y'all. I will always stand for the public library. Um, that's where I started. Public libraries are for everyone. Get yourself yes. a library card. There's so many resources you can use, whether it is job help, um, whether you're trying to help you decide to keep your kids at home because the situation is icky, like whether you want to change careers because who knows what's happening right now because we're uncertain, like, there's so much you can do with the libraries. So, and they've made it, even though they're back open, they've made it easier to get an e-card. So yeah. I would definitely say that. And a lot of times you can still use resources as a visitor. So don't forget that. Um, and what was the last one? I'm sorry, Jacob. Oh, if there's any like uh, media or any, you know, maybe social justice related information sources that you're really excited about now or that you're, you would recommend for folks. Um, I would definitely tell people to, if you somehow have not been plugged in up till now, like local <laughs> resources that where you can help people who are either, there's still protests going on, y'all, so don't forget that, either yep. for, you know, Black Lives Matter or Vanessa Gwillen is a more recent example mm -hmm. of a protest, like, um, you can always donate to the bail fund, of course, um, if you know lawyers, support your local lawyers because they're very busy right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they're also having their own troubles just trying to be legal observers at protests. Like, I would say just be tuned in and don't. Um, and then, of course, we have the whole COVID situation, which is its own can of worms. Um, one thing that I would recommend, actually, if you're either coming to Vegas or local to Vegas, is some of my colleagues in the Health Sciences Library at UNLV, they've made some fantastic, what we call lib guides, but are called research guides for everyone else um, in English and in Spanish. Um, they have lots of resources for where you can find information, how you know whether or not it's legit, if you know how you can tell if the chart that they show that's two centimeters big has real information on it or whatnot and they keep it up to date so i would definitely check those out if you have covid related things going on and i know we all need a little bit of a break from media <laughs> right, right now but i would say just try not to completely tune out because there are too many moving parts like you have to know some of what's going on because it's affecting all of us and even if you feel like you're not a knowing for the greater good kind of person you do want to know what's going on for you because we're we're entering a time of year where school may or may not start like universities may or may not start and there's still a lot of um upheaval in people's job situations so try not to get jaded i guess is my advice um plug in a little perfect well thank you so much uh for joining us today it's been a pleasure to get to know you and um I'm excited maybe at one point to to meet you in person. That would be awesome. Absolutely. <laughs> and we uh, can talk about cults and stuff in person. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. We'll have this is this was our conversation prior to recording was all about horror movies and cults. So yep. this would be a really great <laughs> yeah. over over some delicious Thai food one day when the when we all feel comfortable going to restaurants again and that would be there's that vaccine. Right. Yeah. Thank you very much, Brittany, for uh, joining us today. We have enjoyed you and people follow her. Let me see. I wrote down your Instagram because I am back. <laughs> Professor.ish. Yep. Please check Professor-ish. Yep. That's all right. Great. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. And uh, 
This has been Wild and Free, a Battleborn podcast. We're going to give a shout out to the rest of our team. We've got our uh, founding co-wrangler, Allison, who's now roving the mean streets of Michigan. Like, I don't know what town she's in, but it's close it's to Michigan State. It's, it's, it's very green. Mean, it's definitely not the mean streets of Michigan, though. No, it's <laughs> very green, and it looks like it's very pleasant right now. Lakes and streams and stuff. Uh we have our producer and theme song composer jose sotelo his uh wonderful partner in crime ashley pacheco their very adorable very cute son sebastian and then we've got our the animals of descent which we've got raven the dog in the den of descent who i'm sure will be heartbroken if at any point the schools open and her (laughs) wonderful owners have to go back to the schools as both Jose and Ashley are, are educators. And then of course, who do we who Wait. is who is the other animal? The Dwayne. The Dwayne. Yeah. He is the Dwayne. <laughs> He's right here. He's looking so cute and soft with murder mittens. And before we leave, Brittany, I understand you have some animals as well. So if you want to give them a shout out, because we are we are very animal forward here. Oh yeah. So I have a Jackson chameleon named Bob. Um, Jacksons are the ones that look like little triceratopses. Oh cool. Triceratopsi. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> he's definitely quite a character, and he's growing like crazy. He just went through another growth spurt, and you know, it's just enjoying hanging out on pothoses and chameleoning. So thanks for letting me give him a shout out. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks. Thank you so much, and. Yeehaw.